0: leaving a legacy is brought to you by hipsters of the coast.com and can be found on the top deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. Magic is power. Welcome back to another awesome episode of Leaving a Legacy. I'm your host Jerry Me. Unfortunately, no legacy newbie this week. Uh, Pat got called into some overtime at work, so he had to bail last minute. But it's okay because we got a great episode. Have an old friend returning to the cast uh mr connor fulsey how's it going man
1: good dude it's good to it's good to be back thanks for having me on again
0: yeah it's been a while actually i think the last time we had you on was pre-covid so it's been like what two years now at this point uh yeah that's wild Covid was a time machine, so it doesn't feel that long. But yeah, it's it's been like two years.
1: <laughs> what is time, Jerry? Can you-
0: <laughs> what is time? Well, you can't sneak attack it, so I don't care. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is a good answer. Uh, now, I guess give our give our listeners a rundown because I'm sure we have a bunch of listeners who who aren't as familiar, who maybe weren't listening two years ago. But you know, you're our resident agro loam expert.
1: I am now that now that is. Seemingly retired from magic for the time being, I guess that means it's me.
0: And <laughs> the mantle has fallen to your your shoulders.
1: Yeah, it was Mots and me and Matt Vuk, uh, and Matt is playing everything these days. I mean, he's he's he five owed with lands this past week. He's he plays a lot of Saga Von decks and control decks and all sorts of other stuff. So uh, I am I am the the torchbearer for Loam as it seems these days. Yeah,
0: definitely. So, uh, you've been playing Loam for years, and here basically since Loam was a deck, right?
1: Uh, I mean, a little bit after it started, because Nicholas Cronenberger made the deck, and that was like way back. I think when Devastating Dreams was a part of the deck, and mm-hmm. uh, Seismic Assault, and then it when Liliana and Abrupt Decay were printed, uh, they sort of the deck kind of changed into the old like four color red shell. And I started playing a little bit after that when Deathrite was still legal. So it's probably been five-ish plus years now that I've played the deck on and off. I took an eight-month or so break recently, and I didn't think I was going to come back. But, you know, Magic is one of those games where when you need it, it's there. And you know, <laughs> we never
0: really truly leave. So Magic's a lot like Heroin. You can't quit. <laughs>
1: It's kind of true. Yeah. I mean, for me, I have a hard time because like when I'm playing, I get really into it and I'm very competitive and I have a hard time not going all or nothing with the game. So I think that's kind of like what happens with me. is like I'm either doing all out or I just, you know, take a six, eight month break and don't even think about it.
0: Yeah. Nice. Also, I mean, Taking a six to eight month break when there's not anything going on really in the format because everyone's in lockdown. Uh, you probably picked a pretty good time to take a break.
1: Yeah, for sure. I actually, I made one of the worst decisions of my life probably recently. Uh, it probably right before I took my break. I sort of was like resigning myself to never playing again. And so I sold my paper collection right before everything spiked. Uh-huh. <laughs> I kind of made a gamble because I was thinking like, well, I probably won't play again at the time. That's what I, that's where my mind was. And and I was like, well, I, I'm going to bet that the cards will plummet because of COVID. And I definitely guessed wrong. It was the exact opposite. So I lost quite a bit on that collection. And I've sort of debated buying this deck back in paper, but I haven't really pulled the trigger yet because there's still not really any paper events firing right now that I know of. So I'm kind of waiting on it, but
0: yeah turns out the value of old magic cards is not their playability it's just people being nostalgic in their basements
1: and wanting... yeah i guess so <laughs> i thought for sure that like with the the pandemic era stuff like card games would go down in value but it's i was very at least before.
0: like social card games like games that would require you to like travel and to like be in close contact with different people but Nope, people just wanted to buy cards and build decks that they would play either over webcam or just kind of look at. (laughs) Yeah, they
1: just wanted to hoard the cards and look at them every night before bed, I guess. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I also feel feel you, Connor, kind of because uh, I I've been slimming down my collection because I realized that there's not really a point in being able to have every legacy deck in the format when I only ever pay, play one. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I sold my Tabernacle and my Lions Eye Diamond are not uh, my Mox Diamonds uh, right before the price spikes. So, I mean, the way you got to think about it is I still made money on them. Like I at least doubled my money, if not more on right. those cards. So I sold it. So I should be happy with a hundred percent return. It's just, you know, hindsight's 2020 when you look at the, the price again.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's brutal. And I like, I was looking at like, okay, what's the price of this pimped out loam deck? Like if I were to buy everything in like the most pimp foil version possible, what would the deck cost me to repurchase? And it was something like 15 grand. And I was like, oh my God, like how is this
0: How is this possible? But like, here we are. You could buy a brand new mid-sized car. <laughs> yeah, like literally the price of a pretty solid car, which is... Like yeah. legacy decks used to be the cost of like a used car. Now legacy decks are the cost of a brand new car. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I suppose I could buy everything in not pimped out version, but that, you know, I don't know. I have a hard time. I I like... Having the coolest looking versions of things, but
0: see what you got to do is you got to make it a, a slow build up over time. That's that's how you got the deck initially because you didn't just buy the pimped out loam right out of the gates. You no. slowly acquired it over time, and that's
1: yeah, like a thirteen year process of getting my legacy collection together, and then I just. In a split second, I sold it all, and I really regret it. It's one of the worst decisions I've made. It makes me sad to think about. But
0: I mean, that's some words of wisdom to share with our listeners. Yeah, uh... when you
1: definitely think you're not going to come back, don't sell your cards because you will regret it inevitably. Just keep them, put them in a closet, put them in a storage unit, don't sell them. I made a big mistake. So that's my word of advice.
0: I mean, even if I completely sold out of Magic, like sold literally everything I had, I would still keep my Sneak and Show deck. Yeah, uh, I'd like, cause I, like because i because even if I sell out, I'm like, oh, okay. If I decide to come back, at least I have a deck that I can come back to and, you know, make some updates and, and it'd be good. I mean, I'm, I'm slimming down my collection just because I like wake up in a cold sweat, having a dream about there being like a fire in my apartment and losing like all my cards. So I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to slim down. I cannot have this much value in cardboard, but I, uh, I, I definitely am. Even if I like, even if I ever Completely quit the game, which uh, Wizards is really trying my butt in some days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would, I would still keep at least one deck.
1: Yeah, I, I sort of like, you know, it's funny because for a while after Wizards announced all these like <clears throat> offshoots, like Fortnite and Lord of the Rings and stuff, I was just like, I can't, I'm never going to play this game again. And I was kind of this like grumpy old man about it, and I went around being like, this game sucks, and Legacy's bad, and what are the, what is Wizards doing to the game? But you know, of course I came back and here I am again. And I think it's primarily because- much
0: like how heroin users are like, Man, heroin sucks, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yet here well, I am.
1: <laughs> a lot of it is because, like, uh, I don't know. I think I I'm still an admin of the four colour loan Facebook group, and I yeah. and I noticed that the the page had died and the Discord chat was dead, and people were just like, the deck sucks now. And Something it was like a bat signal almost. So I was like, I have to come back and revive this deck. So I have to,
0: pr- I have to prove everyone wrong. <laughs> yeah. Someone on the internet
1: is wrong. I cannot go to sleep. <laughs> so, so that's what I did. I went. I came back and I brought the deck back.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's good. Well, yeah, let's get let's get into the deck itself because I'm sure it's changed a lot in the two years since last we had you on. So last time we had you on, it was a, uh, a four color deck. It was basically everything but blue um you know for those who don't know the deck it's it's really built around uh life from the loam and knight of the reliquary and just getting value and grinding out their opponents with things like uh punishing fire um it was one of the last decks to still run dark confidant so you know it would always had a special place in my heart i played the deck for for years and years as well as my other deck besides Sneak and show it was kind of my fair deck uh, yeah. until until i sold my tabernacle so aggro always had a, a dear place in my heart but what what's the deck look like now
1: well it's been through a lot of changes uh you know it started out as that deck that you were talking about with dark confidants and knights and chalice and like it was no it was constantly like this deck that was kind of like the modern gen of legacy where people just yeah. didn't play blue they were going to play this as a fair non-blue deck um and then we had we saw the printing of Oko and Uro, and the deck then shifted to play blue because Oko was
0: <laughs> it was like the last holdout. It's like here's the deck, it's like no blue, no blue whatsoever. And then it's like, oh, you know, we had to succumb because the best cards for the deck are blue now. <laughs> yeah.
1: So they still we still played Chalice and Bob, but then we had we added Oko and Uro and Leavold, and that's kind of how the deck was for the entirety of the time. Oko was legal, and then when Oko got banned
0: um which before we mo- i just want to say i've that really kind of hurt me with agro loam because i felt agro loam lost its identity it just started to like blend in with like snow control and it's like is this agro loam or is it just a a weird snow control list and it yeah. just like it definitely felt like the uh the identity of the deck was in jeopardy
1: well, you're probably not going to like the way it is currently, that Jerry. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> because it's certainly nothing like that original deck with Liliana's and Decays and Chalices. Um, but, you know, you got to change with the times. And so when I came back to Magic, I took a break sort of shortly after Oko was banned. And I came back and I, I didn't even pay attention to, the, you know, what had been printed in Modern Horizons 2. So I come back and I look and I'm like, okay, all these cards are busted. Um, so, of course, we have, like, another Modern Horizons set, like, basically dictating Legacy again. Um, and so I sort of went back to the drawing board with Lone because I, I I talked to people, and they are like, well, Lone kind of sucks now. Nobody's playing it. Chalice is pretty bad. And so I was like, okay, what does the deck have to do to, like, sort of be revived again? And so I started by um, messing around with, like, these depth shells. So I said, okay, if Chalice is bad, like let's just cut Chalice. And originally I was playing with like this Bant depth shell and then this, this other like four color blue depth shell with like elvish reclaimers and crop rotations and just like trying to maximize on the lands package and playing one drops. And like one of the biggest things for me, when I was thinking, how can I make this deck, playable again was like, well, if the format's currently being dominated by cards like Raghavan and in and, and Dragon's Rage Channeler and Merktide Regent, like you have to play Swords of Plowshares. Like this deck cannot be a Chalice deck anymore. If the best deck in the format is going to involve like this 8-8 flyer for two mana, you have to play four plows in the main.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so I sort of did away with Chalice and I was like, that's just not how the deck needs to be constructed anymore. And I thought about like, what are the best cards? And and so I I went to play, at, at first I was playing Black and I played, I was playing Plows in the main uh, and I just cut Chalices and Decays. And then we have, of course, Prismatic Ending, which is the best removal spell ever printed probably. And so now, okay, I've got to cut Abrupt Decay because Prismatic Ending is just a better Abrupt Decay. Like it just does
0: <laughs> 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 That hurts. Though <So>, to <laughs> be fair, Agro Loam is probably the best deck to actually run Prismatic Ending because you can take the most, uh, you know, use out of it, having all the access to colors. You get
1: to have five colors. It's pretty sweet um, yeah. with Mox Diamonds.
0: Have have you cast a five-color prismatic ending yet?
1: I believe I did uh, one time. I think I cast it on somebody's, on like an opposing five-color enchantment once, um, or five-man <laughs> five enchantment. I mean, uh, that was pretty sweet. Um, but so I thought about like, okay, so what, is, what direction does this deck need to head in and then I was like, all right, well, if I don't need to play Abrupt Decay anymore, do I need to play Black? And so I decided to cut Black from the deck and instead run it as Blue, Red, White, Green, um, which is where it is now. And so I, if you want me to go through like, what the deck list looks like now, what I've been playing, I can.
0: Yeah, let's, let's run it down. So if anyone at home wants to kind of pick the deck up, let's, let's let them know what they're getting into.
1: Yeah, so this has kind of been accepted as sort of like the stock current Loam list. And I recognize I just I'm going to go through this list and I'm going to ignore the fact that Raghavan's probably going to be banned eventually because we don't know what Wizards is doing with that or what the bans are going to be or when. Um, but I do have a backup plan that I'll get to if if Raghavan is banned. So um, the current iteration of Loam that I've been doing really well with, I have uh, six five O's with this list on Moto, And I also, the, my total win rate after around 150 matches is 77%. Um, so I've been, it's, the deck has been incredible and it's probably the best Loam deck I've ever played. Um, it just does so much against so much of the meta and it has so much flexibility and it's been really good against pretty much every fair deck. And it even has game against a lot of the combo decks too. Um, So we have, uh, the creature package is for Raghavan because originally when I was thinking about like, how do I, um, sort of re-envision Loam, I was like, well, dashing Raghavan turn one seems really strong because you play Mox Diamond in the land and you can dash on turn one. So that's kind of how it started. Um, so it has four Raghavan, it still has scavengers, uh, Dryad Arbor, Endurance, um and then two hole breachers uh which i'll get to later three and i still play three Knight of the reliquary and an uro so 13 creatures um and then it plays two dak faden and a jace as the planeswalkers and dak faden has kind of like changed the way the deck is played and i think it's it's been insane and it might be the best card in the deck um,
0: which is funny because um the other, like when we last talked about aggro loam and the you know four color list based around like night and uh, punishing fire, the other similar style deck was the Dac Faden, um, uh, you know, just pile deck using Dak Faden and punishing fire. And it, it almost played kind of like a, a blue loam deck, and now it's like the decks have merged together. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's kind of got a little bit of strife pile in it, which, by the way, I got a shout out to Chase because he was he was light years ahead of everybody else on deck. And I believe that deck is the best walker in the format. And it's not close for me. Um, so props to him for seeing it years earlier than everybody else. Um, the card has just been excellent. and And particularly like in a format that's filled with Urza Saga and artifact decks. It's just, I didn't
0: even think about that. Yeah, because that's such an underutilized ability of Dak Faden that, yeah, not being in such a target rich environment is pretty sweet for him.
1: So it has a lot of play in this deck. First of all, um, the deck still runs one life from the loam and two Punishing Fire. So you get the extra value by combining it with Punishing Fire and picking it back up and discarding it uh, when you're looting. Um, It also has the Steel Artifact Clause. You can also ultimate it, and then you can target your opponent's stuff with Prismatic Ending and Punishing Fire and steal it, um, which is usually game ending. Um, so you can, like, for example, like if your opponent has an Uro, you can pay one for an ending and target it, and it won't exile the Uro, and you take it. So that's kind of like an extra use for Prismatic Ending in the deck. Uh, and the other utility the deck has is it works really well with Hope creatures. So if you manage to get hold breacher and play with DAK. you can plus DAC targeting your opponent and they have to basically discard two cards and you get two treasure tokens so DAK sort of works really well in a lot of different angles with the deck um and that's like one of the main plans against control decks they literally if you if you activate DAK with breacher out one time they can't win the game it's just too much value um so Yeah, the deck doesn't play Lily anymore. It doesn't play Oko. Instead, we're playing Dak and Jace as sort of like the grindy Planeswalker control cards.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Is it still running uh, like Tabernacle and, you know... I've recently
1: actually cut Tabernacle from the list as well.
0: I'm sure everyone's wallets are going to thank you for that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's not as good as it used to be in the current format. Like, I think there's still places for it, but just like, you know, in in the past, it was really good against like maverick and death and taxes and elves and like dredge but like dredge barely sees any play maverick barely sees any play and you just don't need it as much anymore i've found i think that the deck hasn't like enough removal and other ways to deal with go wide strategies that you're fine without it um and so then getting into the spells you have i still play one green sun zenith one life from the loam the two punishing fires four swords to plowshares three prismatic ending and then I'm also playing two expressive iteration because why not run more busted MH2 cards uh, or iterations actually not an MH2 card. It's a, it's a strict saving card. Um, but I still think it's busted. It's one of the best cards in the format.
0: Well, it's um, also just another card that works great with uh, uh Mox diamond. You know, you, yeah. you go down on card advantage with Mox diamond, but then you go up on it with expressive iteration.
1: Right. So I run two expressive iterations and two Sylvan libraries as sort of like your, card advantage cards and the cool thing with iteration is that like it's just such a good way such a good mid-range card to kind of recuperate value like you were saying and you know to be able to play like a utility land and then put a spell on your hand and then like play another card the same turn like it just it's crazy value um and i think it's it's been really good for me and like i've really liked having two in the list mm-hmm. and then four mocks diamond as always you can't play the deck without four mocks. Um, That is something that hasn't changed. It's sort of like the the centerpiece of Loam. And I don't, you know, you're never going to cut that card. Um, And then it runs, I run 25 lands. And I run a lot of different utility lands in this version. Um, I still like the, I still really like the Knight of the Reliquary utility land package that you run with the deck. So I have uh, your basic, like you run one of every duel in the colors and then six fetches and then I'm running three Wasteland and two Groves. And then the utility lands are Barbarian Ring, Blast Zone, Bazooka bog, Cephalid Coliseum, Caracas, Ith, and one Urza Saga. So <clears throat> like a lot of those are kind of self-explanatory. Like Ring is really, it's another piece of removal that can't be countered and it can be a finisher with Life from the Loam and it adds extra reach along with Punishing Fire. And Blast Zone is sort of like your sweeper card Bog is for graveyard decks, Caracas, Ith, pretty, I mean, they've always been in the deck. Um, and then I'm, the two that are new, I'm running an Urza saga, even though there are no targets, because making two constructs and buying it back with Loam is one of the most powerful things you can do against other grindy decks.
0: Yeah, if correct me if I'm wrong, it's one of the few decks probably running Urza Saga with Loam, which I feel more people probably should.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's also just like it can color fix as well. So like your one target is Mox Diamond. So a lot of times, like I'll really need a Mox and I can play an Urza Saga and I'm like, oh, so I'll be able to get this Mox after getting two Constructs. And that's like generally pretty powerful. Um, and then Cephalid Coliseum is, has been great. Uh, it functions a few different ways one of the ways is with whole breacher so if you have breacher and coliseum out you make your opponent discard three cards um the other way is with life in the loam so you can loan back three lands and then activate coliseum and exchange the lands for three cards so it's kind yeah. of like it's sort of like make your own ancestral recall yeah uh, and it kind of takes the place of a cycle land in the deck and then i also added it because Uh it is, I think, the best card in legacy against Doomsday. Like, I don't think they can beat the card with anything. Oh, Cephalid
0: Coliseum, yeah, because they just start Doomsday comboing and then you're like, all right, cool, Cephalid Coliseum you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you can just coliseum them in response to Oracle and they lose and it's not counterable and they don't play wasteland. So there's just no way for them to deal with it um so that's another reason it's in the deck uh
0: so that's kind Man, of the, 20, 2021 when we're uh getting this the the, the deck uh, spice to deal with doomsday what happened what happened legacy
1: <laughs> i don't know where we are honestly or how we got here but here. so um and the mana base has been surprisingly consistent of course you know it's one of the ways you can lose with a loam deck is by uh not getting all your colors or getting mana screwed or whatever and that's kind of always been the inconsistency has always been a weakness and there's not really anything you can do about it it's the 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 plus is playing all these utility lands and having all this flexibility and the minus is sometimes you your hand is like you know maze of ith wasteland and a bunch of color cards or whatever right so you you kind of you yeah. kind of take the good with the bad on that
0: the, the okay. biggest the biggest weakness of Agro Loam has always been it's a deck that doesn't run Brainstorm. The cr- crime of legacy.
1: <laughs> and you can't... What's interesting is this deck could conceivably run Brainstorm because you're not playing Chalice, but I actually think Brainstorm is bad in the deck because you're only playing six
0: fetches. Yeah, I was going to say very light fetch count.
1: Yeah, there's just not a lot of ways to really get value out of it. I've actually tried Brainstorm and Loam before when I wasn't playing Chalice, and it just was really medium and... Like you know, you have Jace, so you're getting brainstorm effects with Jace, and I and I just there's not enough cards I want to cut from the deck where I have four extra slots to play brainstorm. Like the sixty has felt so tight, and I just don't feel like there's any room to
0: change anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's what I remember from the deck is like. Brainstorm at the end of the day is a fluff card. You know, it's, it's air in the deck and agro loam is a deck full of so many cool, sweet cards. It's really hard to cut them. That's, that's why I always felt like sideboarding with agro loam was so hard because it's like, Oh man, what do I cut from this list?
1: (laughs) Right? Yeah. It's just like, the thing is it doesn't, it brainstorm just doesn't function the way you want it or the way it would in a, like a blue control or Delver shell. And you also like, you can't pitch it to force a will you don't have as many fetch lands. You're not getting the same kind of value out of it, so it just doesn't really fit in what the deck's trying to do. I mean, at its core, the deck is still a mid range deck that top decks really well um, with sort of like all these extra angles of attack. And I think that's where it's at its best is where you're, you know, you can have like a knight in play and a deck in play and Sylvan Library, and you have all these flexible utility lands at the same time, and your opponent's trying to deal with. Your Knight of the Reliquary and your Raghavan where you're ticking Dack up and punishing, firing them. You know, it's just like hard to hard to deal with all the angles of attack that you're presenting. And I think that's like the strong suit of playing the deck.
0: Yeah, I always felt Loam was a uh, a clever deck. There's so many like clever things you can do with Agroloam. Like you can attack in with Knight of the Reliquary, and then you can Maze Vith your own Knight of the Reliquary in order to activate it, and just uh, like so much value and like little tricks you can pull off to get incremental advantage
1: yeah lots of tricky stuff you can do and lots of cool different aspects of the deck that didn't use to breathe there be there like for example toll Breacher has been incredible in the deck um mm-hmm. like being able to have a card that attacks combo decks in the main deck and also like is so good against control if it's not dealt with right away and then also just being a win condition with deck or cephalid coliseum has just been like really good um and it's also like crazy in these sort of niche scenarios. Like it's just absurd how good the card is against like Enchantress, for example, or other decks that want to be drawing a lot of cards. Um, so I've i really liked having two in the main. And, um, you know, obviously another new addition is Endurance. And I'm playing one Endurance in the main and an extra two in the sideboard. It's kind of like this deck's version of Graveyard Hate. So like if you want to get to the sideboard, it also looks very different than it used to. I'm no longer playing Leyline and I'm no longer playing Thalia, two cards which I never thought I'd cut. Um, but instead I found that playing three total copies of Endurance along with Scavenging Ooze and Bog has been enough graveyard hate. Like Endurance is just so good mm. that you don't really need Leyline anymore. Um, and it frees up a lot of extra space in the slide board. Um, so instead of that, I'm playing two Flusterstorm and three Red Blast, which have just been incredible. Like, the downside of not playing Chalice is that you're weaker versus combo, but the upside is that you get to play Pyroblast, and that card is so good right now. Yeah. Um, so three Blast, two Flusterstorm. Collector Oof, still there. Two Meddling Mage for combo. Torpor Orb, because the format has, is really weak to it right now. Like, you have Doomsday and Death and Taxes, and, like, it just it's sort of seems to be a card that's in everyone's sideboard. Um, uh, two Force of Vigor. I've recently started playing a second copy. I really like that card right now. Uh A Fury and a Paradox Zone. So Fury is sort of like the Tabernacle card where, like, it's just been insane. Like, it's it's one of those cards where you can either evoke it and, you know, deal four damage spread across either Planeswalkers or creatures, or you can cast it for five, which is really not that hard to do with this deck. Um And... And then it becomes a three, three double striker. So like, it's just been like a better, like, I, I've just liked it more than tabernacle because it doubles as a threat. Um, and then paradox zone has been amazing. It's, it's the, it's this five mana enchantment green enchantment. And it's sort of like, I mean, agro has always played some kind of grindy sideboard card. Um, to play against like control decks. And so I I've been playing paradox zone since I first started testing it and I've never taken it out since like, it's just been so good. Uh, basically uh, it makes at the end of your, it basically reads the, at your end step, you make a two, two fractal token. And then at your next end step, you make a four, four, and then you make an eight, eight, and you make a sixteen sixteen, and so on. And it just becomes this like overwhelming amount of like threats that it's really hard for your, Like control decks to handle and the other advantage of playing it is that it's five mana so every deck that isn't the mirror can't cast prismatic ending for five mana and nobody's playing council's judgment anymore so like if you manage to resolve paradox zone against a control deck they literally have no way to get rid of it um so it sits on the board and produces value every turn um so that's sort of been like the grindy card of choice and then force of vigor Like I recently started playing the second copy. I was playing knackle and then I was playing pithing needle for a while, but I found that like a big weakness to the deck is like back to basics and you really just need a way to deal with that card. Um, And it's also pretty weak to like artifacts that Karn gets. And I've also just found that in general, force vigor is great in the format because of all the affinity being played and the Urza saga and all the artifacts and enchantments. So I really liked having two in the sideboard uh, and yeah I mean that's that's basically it and the sideboard has felt pretty great lately and the main decks solid and I, I don't really foresee changing anything. Um, and I guess now is the time to mention like the backup plan so if Raghavan gets banned, which I'm sure will happen eventually, uh, I'm gonna try and play the deck with four dragons rage channelers instead. Um, because I think the looting is really good and there's enough non-creature spells that make, you know, you can get value out of it. And it's also really easy to activate Delirium with a deck that's playing like Planeswalkers and Mox Diamond. Um, so I don't think the deck will lose that much if Ragamon's banned. Like I think Dragon, Dragon's Rage Channeler is a pretty decent replacement. And I'd still rather be on red than black because of mm-hmm. how good Dak Faden is and how good Expressive Iteration is. And how good Pyroblast is, so yeah. That's kind of where my head's at.
0: Also, even without Chalice, it's like the deck doesn't really care that much about its one drops. Like the only one drops Agroloam seems to ever want to run are the ones that are so good that they're bannable. <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, well, it used to be that way with Deathright Shaman too, where exactly, yeah, in the, in the deck, even though you were playing four Chalice, you just wanted one to Green Suns four because it was mm-hmm. so good. Um, exactly. Yeah. And so I think I think um, Raghavan is just insane in the deck. Like it's so good against control and combo. Um, and you know, you have to answer it or it just takes over the game. It's not as good everywhere else, but I often end up boarding it out in games two and three because I like a lot of times my plan will be to like attack with Raghavan game one and then game like post board, particularly in grindier matchups, I cite it out. Um, like in like against like death and taxes or something because and I just become the control deck rather than than playing the extra creatures so um, I find the only times I keep it in post board are against like four color control and combo decks and usually otherwise it's a game one card so like really I'm fine with it being banned like I think you know there's enough replacements you could also play Elvish Reclaimer in that spot Um, there's like a couple other cards I've been wanting to try so I don't think that the deck will be that hurt by a ban. And I think, um, the shell that I've made, I think is, is good enough to where blacks kind of become obsolete, to be honest. And and mm-hmm. I think cards like Dak Faden and expressive iteration are just better.
0: Uh, I weep in dark confidants, Liliana's and abrupt decays. Yeah.
1: And it's really sad. I mean, I love those cards too, but I, I just don't think decay and Liliana are playable right now. And, and, Dark Confidant, I think, is still good. It's still a solid card. It's just, I, you know, I just think that the stuff that...
0: Black will come back around. It'll come back around. Magic Cycles. They're going (laughs) to print some. They're going to print, like, Ragavan in black, and then everyone's going to be back on the black train. Yeah, as soon
1: as they print some kind of black value card, then, yeah, you switch back to Bob's. But until then, I think, with how good Dak has been in the deck, I want to stay in red and blue for the time being.
0: Yeah, well, it was like when Deathrite Shaman, they printed Deathrite Shaman, everyone was running like green, black, blue, black, and no one was really running red, and then Deathrite Shaman gets banned, and now we have Ragavand, and now people are gravitating towards the red deck, so it's all, it just goes back to show, you know, why you don't sell your collection, because even if you think a card isn't good anymore, you know, all it takes is a little, a little printing to shift the meta.
1: Yeah, it's true, it's true, um, there's always, and the, the cool part about Loam is that like the core of the deck, right? Like people always said like, oh, the core of the deck's Chalice. You can't play a Loam deck with Chalice, without Chalice. And now I think really the core of the deck is Mox Diamond, which will never be cut. Sylvan Library, I would consider that a core card. I think it's very important in this deck. Um, and Knight of the Reliquary, like right? that is the core that isn't going to be cut. Like the Knight, like utility land package with Mox Diamond is what Agro Loam is. And I think everything else around that can be shifted and changed and messed with and the colors can change based around what the meta is going to be and what cards are printed. Um, but if you talk about like, what is aggro loam? It's a Knight of the Reliquary utility land deck with mock diamonds.
0: Mm-hmm. Seems pretty clear cut. Uh, and
1: I think also like people were like, whoa, why aren't you running two life in the loam? It's called four color loam and you're only running one. And I think it's primarily because the deck has so much value that it didn't used to have that you don't really need two loam anymore. Like, I think you're, you have so many different plans and ways of attacking that it's sort of become like, it's nice to have one in the deck, but it's not like a centerpiece like it used to be. Yeah. I hear you.
0: So just funny when uh decks evolve past their name, like affinity, which doesn't have any affinity cards in it anymore. <laughs> agro loam which could take or leave right Life for the loam
1: (laughs) yeah and I I think the other cool part about this iteration of the deck is like I've seen success from other people like it won a legacy challenge it got 12th in another challenge it's been other people have been 5-0-ing with it I've I've heard good things from everybody who's played the deck so I think it has legs and I think it's definitely like here to stay as far as like the mid-range deck of choice whatever the bans happen um and i don't i if you want to talk about bands like you know i have a lot of opinions on that and i think everybody does i know it's kind of weird because most of the time i'm the one who's screaming for cards to be banned you know but like i think i've actually had a ton of fun in this format and i've loved playing this deck and i don't think i mean i think everything's fine and i know i'm in the minority on that but i don't think it's i mean i think this format is like miles better than astrolabe arcanist oko format so
0: true awesome well, any closing uh stuff about Agri-loam? I there was one other thing i wanted to talk about before we got out of here today but i want to make sure we uh we cover everything with agroloam before we move on
1: i don't think so i think um mainly you know people are always welcome to ask me questions on facebook or discord or whatever and you know i, I haven't been streaming but i might stream again at some point if people want to see the deck played but yeah i i would highly recommend giving it a shot i think it's a lot of fun to play more than anything else and if you're bored of like playing ragavan with days it's pretty cool to play it in this kind of shell we'll see what the bands bring uh, i i'm curious to see what wizards decides to do at the end of the day although um i'm sure that they'll ban monkey but i i i don't think that's the best card in that delver deck i think they're just going to continue to have the same problem and I don't know. I kind of am curious to see what a legacy format would be without days, but who knows what they'll decide to do.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it'll be interesting to say the least. Uh, Well, that's good. So I didn't mention it because I know you're not a big fan of it, but uh, the Dark Depths combo uh, with Thespian Stage... Uh some Magrolone players run it. You, I know historically have not liked to run it. so I did want to talk about a different Thespian stage dark depths list. yeah, uh, I don't know if you got a chance to uh take a look at this, but this was from the uh the Hararuya event.
1: Oh, is this the Mono Red Depths deck? It is. Did you? Yeah. I'm... <laughs> it's funny that you bring this up because I actually played it through a league today.
0: Oh, you did? Oh, Excellent. You are uh, more than qualified to talk about it then. Uh, yeah, Phil, Phil Romans brought this to my attention. Uh, he sent it my way, and I thought it was such a cool deck. I wanted to kind of bring it up on the podcast because it's a crazy deck out of the Japanese meta that I think is uh, worth taking a look at
1: yeah it's really it's really fun and it's really silly um (laughs) i don't know how consistently good it is or if it's any better than like actual moon stompy but it's a lot of fun to play and it's got a lot of weird angles that people don't see coming
0: yeah so all i've done is look at the list i haven't seen it played so you probably know much more about the deck than i do having already run it through a league but it seems like the deck is based around A rules change that happened a couple years ago that we kind of thought was going to be a big deal but didn't really ever make any changes and it was the way uh dark depths work with uh blood moon effects in that when you uh have a blood moon out and then play dark depths and then remove the blood moon the dark depths doesn't have any counters on it which is not how the rules used to work but they made that rules change and It was kind of a minor consideration. I know actually even Agro Loam was, uh, uh, you know, thinking about it because uh, Blood Moon just got saw a lot of play against Agro Loam. But yeah, this deck is actually, you know, going on the offensive and actually turning it into a combo of running their own Blood Moon effects four blood moon, two blood sun and four magus of the moon for a full 10 blood moon effects in the main deck and then having various ways to remove those effects in order to make a 2020 with dark depths. Yeah,
1: it's really interesting. It's kind of like oh this weird angle where like you get to play magus or magus or blood moon against decks that just, you know, can't beat those cards, but then you also have like the depths combo and it plays this weird card that I've never heard of called Alam Tor's Edict.
0: I, uh, I actually picked up 12 copies of it today. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case, because I noticed it is actually a reserve list card. It's on, it's on the reserve list and it's now a new combo. Well, not new, but recently discovered combo where it's a, it's a single red for an instant. Sorry, we're in lightning bolt territory. That's pretty good uh remove from the game target permanent you own or control and then the cherry on top draw a card at the beginning of next turns upkeep. so yeah.
1: so it has this like weird dual effect where you get to like how if you have a blood moon in play with the dark depths you get to remove the blood moon and get a 2020 so it's yep. like
0: and then you a- and then you draw a card just for the <laughs> just because <laughs>
1: and it has Another use, which is that it works with Karn, so like if somebody tries to blow up your Spyglass or your Expedition Map or like, you know, one of your artifacts from the sideboard, because it also runs this Karn package, you can exile it in response and then be able to fetch it again with Karn.
0: Oh yeah, because it doesn't destroy the permanent, it removes it from the game, which is weird because it's a red card that puts stuff into exile, which is (laughs) very unusual.
1: (laughs) So you have like those angles where you've got the blood moon stuff, you got the 2020, you got the carn package, and then you also have a couple different ways to kill people like in response to like a plow on Merit Wage. So you play you play Coswell's Fury, which basically is either it's one of those like flip fling.
0: It's fling. (laughs) Oh, 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 but yeah, it it is a flip. You can either play it as a mountain, you can either play it as a mountain or play it as its spell side.
1: And then the other cool thing is that you it plays Terror of the Peaks. So what's awesome about this is if you have Terror of the Peaks in play, then um, it says whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, it deals damage equal to that creature's power to any target. So if you make a twenty twenty with Terror of the Peaks in play, you just win the game.
0: You just ping them for twelve <laughs> or uh, twenty. I mean, <laughs>
1: yeah. So like it's pretty cool that you have like there's like four different angles of attack in the deck, like the Blood Moon angle. They'll like shoot you for twenty angle, the make the meritage angle, and then the carn package.
0: Right, it's pretty pretty sweet. I I do like that it runs the terror of the peaks because uh, I did try that for a while of just turning uh uh and dreadnoughts into really big uh really big lightning bolts <laughs> just like 12 U, 12 <laughs> U, <you. laughs> terror of the peaks out
1: <laughs> that's pretty sweet it's also just like a five four flyer so that's yeah it's awesome. also
0: yeah just a five five mana five four flying where spells your opponents cast the target terror of the peaks costs an additional three life to cast mm-hmm. so. yeah
1: so it's it's pretty cool and then you run like Two Chandra awaken inferno and two goblin rabble master and the sideboard is like alternate plans if you if you know like dark depth sucks in a matchup or whatever or you want to like have this plan against the control deck you know so like that's it's it's a really cool deck i really like i love the like innovation that comes from Japanese lists where they just do all this crazy stuff that we don't think of like who, who the hell do you know is ever going to put Tor's Edict in a Legacy deck? Like-
0: right. Well, it also is a kind of indication, too, of the speed that Legacy is sometimes, where this rules change happened, like, what, two, three years ago? Yeah. Like it's been two or three years. Everyone knew what the rules change meant, but no one until now has actually put it together into a, a deck that actually works and it makes it worthwhile to play. So right. it, it's just kind of, it's kind of interesting to see the, the, that even with really old cards, you can still see some pretty crazy uh, innovation that no one else has discovered yet.
1: Yeah. I love it. And I think that's like, it's one of those things too, where like, I get all bitter about legacy after they release all these, like, you know, they're doing like a fortnight thing and it's like, Oh, this is so stupid. But then like stuff like this, I'm like, no, but this is why I love legacy and magic. It's like creativity and community And it's been so much fun to be back and like talking with people again and like being part of the long community and creating things for people. And like, I don't know, I derive a lot of joy out of like using my experience and knowledge with Magic and Legacy and like recreating this deck and then having other people play it and have fun with it and do well with it. And that's like, honestly, that's the whole reason to play. It's not about like how good or bad is the format. It's about like helping other people have fun. And I think that's something I forgot when I took a break from the game and I got all salty about everything is I realized like, it's not really about winning and it's not about like how much joy am I getting? It's about like, how much can I impart on other people? And I think that's like, that's, I've had so much fun since I've come back because I've brought this deck back for everybody else to play. And I, and I, and I think that's like the best part of legacy.
0: Hell yeah. Well, I'm glad you're back, sir. It has not been the same without you. Glad to see you uh, firing up the leagues again.
1: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And um, I really love coming back here and hanging out with you again, Jerry. And I, I feel like, yeah, I mean, some people are not happy with how Legacy is. But I think the key thing and like the thing that I love about Magic is like, it's just this thing that is ever present and it's like always there if you need it to be like if you want a hobby or if you're having a hard time like I know we've all had a tough time with the pandemic and you need something to come back to and a community to be there it's like never going to go anywhere and I think that's like the eternal aspect of it is like really amazing and and I and I think sometimes we take that for granted when people get unhappy with the format and I mean I myself, I have myself to blame for that too. So Uh, I just, I don't know. Coming back is like really, I've had a lot of fun and I just want to remind people that sometimes legacy may not be great and people might think things need to change. But at the end of the day, like I think we're all pretty privileged to have this game and like be able to play it together and talk to people across the world about it and like share ideas. And I think that's, Magic is so unique in that.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, awesome. Uh, So... Thank you, Phil, for uh, bringing this to my attention. And, yeah, if you guys ever spot any sweet decks like this that are kind of out of the ordinary that you think are cool that you want us to talk about on an episode, feel free to uh, send them our way so we can uh, take a look and uh, chat about it. Uh, you want to get in some scoops and poops, Connor?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: You want to uh, go first? You want me to go first?
1: You You have at it.
0: All right. Uh, Well, I am going to give a scoop in to Dan Chrysler. He is doing his annual uh, charity drive uh, for Extra Life. He is going to be doing a 24-hour Twitch stream, 24 hours straight at www.twitch.tv slash Z-O-T-M-A-S-T-E-R Uh, and he's going to be doing, uh, for 12 of the hours, he's going to be doing 12 posts. So 12 hours straight of 12 posts all for a charity extra life, which is a great cause. So, uh, it's going to be taking place, uh, tomorrow when this episode comes out, uh, it is going to be on, uh, November, uh, for what is Saturday? It's uh, November 6th. November 6th uh, is the stream. We'll put the link in the show notes for you guys to check out and uh, pop on over and see some awesome 12 posts being played. Cool. What about you, Connor? Who you got for uh, scoops?
1: Uh, I want to scoop Anurag Doss. He has been great. I uh, don't need to have him play my deck on stream. And not only did he play it on stream through two leagues, but he also put a video up about it on channel fireball and a guide got written and it like gave a lot of, you know, he gave me a shout out and he's been, I mean, I, I think also like he continues to put on tournaments for people and he continues to be like this pallbearer of legacy. So I awesome. appreciate the work that he does in his stream. And uh, also I think I already gave him props, but I also want to scoop in um, chase slash Strifeo because I, I mean, he like, five brained us all i think dak is like saying <laughs> he was on that card for so many years before i was so like way to go for recognizing how good it is and playing with it
0: hell yeah chase is a good dude we should actually have chase back on it's been a while since we had him on the cast too
1: yeah uh so that's the those are my my scoops for the day Awesome.
0: Awesome. Uh well, thanks for joining us, guys. Pat will be back next week as long as he hasn't walled himself up into a uh bathroom wall somewhere working overtime. Uh and we will check you all next week.
1: All right, thanks for having
0: me, Jerry. Yeah, thanks, Connor. Come on down to